1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever you are. Today is an extremely cool, extremely special session because we're getting, going to be dealing with a merge of DeFi as well as real estate. Um, and, and for this, I have to enlist uh, a special helper today, and, and that is Mike Dimitriou. Um So Mike, do you want to give a little bit of uh, background of yourself? Uh, you're a Y Whale member uh, of mine and also a moderator.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Jay. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm a real estate guy. I'm a real estate attorney. Uh, and, and in my uh, uh, sort of professional life, I come at things with that lens. And then, of course, I've been uh, really enthusiastic about, about everything to do with uh, Web3, uh, DeFi, and the intersection with business. And so this one really hits home for me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with our guests. And uh, thanks for having me.
1: And as a, as a quick note, we appreciate uh, Mike, you coming on at, with your legal background. However, nothing on this podcast is ever advice, legal advice. Uh, and while Mike may express opinions of his own, please do not think that those extend to you uh, or anyone else. Please seek your own counsel. Uh, and 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 a celebrity, a true celebrity is in the house. Mr. Uh, Jackie Robinson, sir, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. So so tell us a little bit about how you ended up here today.
3: Well, uh, we, you know, me um, you got know, working with some uh, folks That's one of your your wells uh, that's working on our project uh, he's uh, working in the construction section of it and uh, we started talking about the project and so he had um, just really got excited about some of the things we're doing especially from the real estate side standpoint and then also from the crypto standpoint so he said well I, I really have to get with our guys and get you on because this is really fascinating I'm very excited about it so he talked about and I talked with our, our cohorts uh, in the crypto sector and said, um, yeah, hey, listen, I think it would be a great idea if we could get the opportunity to be able to speak to your uh, audience, uh, that we would love to be able to do so.
1: And what? And what's your background in? I, I know, but I'm just making sure the audience knows.
3: Well, it's multiple things. Um, it's a journey. It's a maturation to be able to get to this point where you can get to a developing a project like this it's a it's a multitude of different things um i i grew up in los angeles california and uh, uh, inglewood california exactly where jerry matter of fact jerry i just found out that jerry was born in inglewood so that's you know but uh I'm, i mean jerry jones uh uh and uh, i played basketball at morningside high school and ran track and then uh, uh a gentleman named jerry tarkaney was my uh, brother played for him and and uh, at long beach state he when I graduated from high school, he moved to, to uh, Las Vegas. And I uh, uh, decided to come here and play here at uh, Las Vegas and, and um, you know, uh, came here, played basketball and had a, you know, a nice professional career and then decided to always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so a lot of the guys just took me up under their wing. And so uh, over the process, I, I grew over the period of time and now doing a billion dollar project. So, so we're very fortunate, but that's the process that kind of we kind of went through and got to this point.
1: Fabulous, sir. And uh, Mr. Barlow, welcome, welcome to Y Whales. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Good. So how'd you, how'd you uh, talk to us a little bit, cause you have a, a relatively um, storied, uh, already career in the blockchain. So so how did, what was your first exposure to cryptocurrencies or blockchain and, and what got you uh, uh, to the point where you're now uh, working here with Mr. Mister Robinson?
4: We were referred by a mutual friend, our company, his company, actually through a, it was a vodka company. And um, they said, hey, you guys have a great technology. Um, and this vodka brand said, you know, I have a really great project in Las Vegas. I'd like you to meet the founder of and see if there's any good collaboration. And so we did, we, we traveled down to Las Vegas and it was, it was intriguing to, for all of us in the room to kind of open up our minds as to, well, here's a great technology. Here's a massive application of it. You know, how can we make this work? What are some good, um, uses for it, what are trends in the marketplace right now, and then really, you know, figuring out why this can work, because a lot of it has to do with what Las Vegas is missing. And Jackie will go on to explain when he has the opportunity that um, a lot of casinos can't operate with crypto, but um, his project is, is special in that it can because of uh, it's, it's non-gaming.
1: So, so John, um, you, you, have you've been here, are you a lawyer or what's your, what's your background? What's your technical, um, skill set? I'm you no, know, the... no, I'm okay. not an attorney.
4: Nope. Okay. You, you would be referring to the CEO of the company, uh, Christian Barlow. He is, he was an attorney. He no longer has his license, but okay. uh, that would be the note you see.
1: Okay. Well, that makes sense. So, and then as far as uh, yourself, are you a a coder? What was your exposure to the blockchain or or how did you get involved uh, as as the uh, leading co-founder and COO of Quest? Well, I think
4: my involvement started just out of interest, you know, out of interest, out of intrigue. Um, I had been following XRP for several years because what I liked about it was that it, it, provided mass transfer of funds, you know, it could say, well, there's a billion dollars here, a billion dollars there. Let's, let's, uh, let's have them transfer between each other. And, um, and so that was, that's been my interest for a few years. I've been following, you know, of course, Bitcoin and Ethereum as well, playing in between several different cryptocurrencies, but really where I got involved in the weeds was a few years ago, Um, and it was because we had a development team that really needed some assistance understanding the business processes of how the legalities worked, how we tie cryptocurrency to real property, Um, and so I had the opportunity to kind of transition and say, okay, this is how it works on the front end, on the legal, and on the user side, And, um, and like I said, I got to interact with them and experiment on, on how, really how to implement that to perfection. Fabulous.
1: Good. Well, thank you. We'll, and we'll dive more into that here uh, in a minute. Uh, Jackie, sir, would you mind giving us a, an overview, uh, elevator pitch, dare I say, of, of your project so we can kind of get a high level uh, of what's tr- we're trying to accomplish and, and change the La- uh, Las Vegas landscape here?
3: Sure. Um, the project is going to be uh, built on the north end of the Las Vegas Strip. And I, I want to always quantify that because some people look at Las Vegas Boulevard is, you know, they think it's on the Las Vegas Strip, but it's not. The Las Vegas Strip is a five-mile area in between Sahara Boulevard and the Welcome to Las Vegas sign that everybody takes those pictures out there for. Um, we, uh, uh, the project is on uh, 27 acres, uh, and it is going to be a multiplex uh, project. Uh, I've been here for 40-plus years. I've played basketball like a course, and I've seen the maturation over the period of time. Wanted to create something that's going to be in the future. Uh, and I think that the, the the most successful developers that's been on the Las Vegas Strip has always been the next thing that's coming along 20, 30 years in, in advance. I came here, Kirk Ikorian was, was the mastermind at the, at the time, doing the mega hotel casino types of scenarios. And he built the first mega hotel, I think was what at the time it was called MGM, but it's now called Valleys. And... That was new nuance from going from the little small uh, motel places with, uh, you know, small casinos to a mega resort. And he was wildly successful with that. And then uh, later on came uh, Mr. Steve Wynn. Uh, And Mr. Steve Wynn came in and and wanted to bring Las Vegas to an entertainment aspect, bringing away from the old days of the mob and other things of that nature, whatever, and bringing it to the nuance And so he was able to do that by creating the entertainment aspect of it and was very successful. Uh, So in my, and that was done because it needed to be done because there were other places open up, you know, in the United States, especially in Atlantic City and places like this, whatever. So we needed something different here that would attract uh, people in the community. People want to come here for other reasons. University, of course, like I came here and other things of that nature. So uh, same thing I was thinking, you know, and, and it's always been my thought, is that um, you can be successful if you can solve a problem. Well, you know, it's no big deal anymore to have gaming. Gaming is everywhere in the United States. And so uh, gaming is not a big, it's not the number one financial item that you have you know, anymore. If you went, went back 15 years ago or 20 years ago and you went, you know, they're all public companies and you look at their, their revenue, which is number one. You would see gaming, and then it would come down to a certain different items and things. And you know, as far as food was concerned, they just literally just gave it away. You had the fifty cents, uh, you know, shrimp cocktail, and the in the dollar ninety nine cents breakfast, and everything else, whatever. And now it's changed. Now you know you have the me, Steve Wynn, the cuisines. So we have the best restaurants in the world, and so he brought the other types of entertainment, uh, but yet still, you know, centered around casinos. Well, fast forward now, casinos, you can go down the street and you can find anywhere in the United States where you can find a casino type of uh, Las Vegas style hotel, you know. So um, Las Vegas has been evolving and not maybe enough. Uh, So what we thought is rather than create a um, resort, uh, and it took some time because, you know, we were the first ones to announce that we wanted to do an arena. On the Las Vegas Strip. And everybody said at that time, and yeah, professional sports will never come to Las Vegas. It's nuts. It's crazy. But thinking in advance of uh, being able to do so, it's something that we wanted to do and not be the, the same. Uh, so we got together and first said, you know, we have to create something that is uh, unique and different. We didn't want to do the same thing, you know, and compete in this market with one hotel and a casino and compete after the same customers. Um, You have um, uh, when I always go back and refer to people when I tell them when I was here growing up. When somebody came to Las Vegas, you would know they're going to stay at because they stayed at that hotel all the time and they had their casino host and they always was there at that place. Now you come to Las Vegas and you know where you stand there. You don't know where they're going to stay at. They're at the Caesars, the MGM. There's you know all these different places because now it's just whoever gives me the most goodies. So it's a competition now to get your dollars. We thought it was madness, absolute madness, to go out and just build another casino and try to fight after all those folks. So we said, What's, what is the what is the thing that's different that Las Vegas needs? Where are we going? What's the new maturation? Because we don't have much history here. You, you can probably see. You know, a you, property lasts about 30 years, then it's blown up. <laughs> we bring it down to the ground and create it. So we don't have a lot of culture here. So it's always innovation. So we decided to do a, a mixed use. Um, and... And we also saw, after they thought I was got over the point thinking I was crazy by wanting to bring an arena on the Las Vegas Strip and talk about pro sports. That over a period of time they thought that this was made sense. And as you can see right now, you have where the Raiders are playing. they Nobody really ever thought that you know pro football would come here, and then also that you know the hockey team, the Knights, are very successful. And yeah. that that arena is, is the most the highest grossing arena in the world. Uh, and so. Uh, so we would proved ourselves right on that, on that point. The other point we wanted to do is that the over the maturation uh, time now, it, Las Vegas has spanned its convention space. and now they just completed one point8 billion dollar expansion in which now it's the largest convention space you know in the world. But if you' all been here for a convention, you know we start looking at the numbers, we start looking at you know a typical convention lasts for four days. And so we see people file in if there's two or three or four hundred thousand people come to Las Vegas for a convention and then they will come in and then all of a sudden you see them leave. You know, you know. the next day we start looking at numbers because I used to own uh, restaurants at the airport. And we said, gee, what is, what, what is the issue there? But we start finding out talking to people, you know, the, the work environment, uh, the commerce environment was not suited for such a situation. What I mean by that is that you go to a convention and you meet someone and you go back to your hotel and you're going into a noisy restaurant to try to talk business with someone, dealing in a smoke environment or you got to take them up to your room, which is not good. So that means that the people would come there, uh, and they would come there, meet somebody and then they would leave and go back home because they want because they had the work environment. So we said, listen, we're not getting a lot more of these people come in like this, whatever how can we get the extension and how to make an environment that will make these people do so. Uh, if you go to any other place in the United States, uh, when you go to a convention, you don't go to a casino in the hotels, you go to a place that has very sophisticated IT uh, and very working uh, and great work environments areas. In Las Vegas, you come into a casino. So we said, we put ourselves in the position where we can provide those type of amenities uh, and Las Vegas is a, is a type of situation is this. It is the um, conventions during the middle of the week, and then on the weekends, it's events. So if we can do that, we're going to be very, very successful. So what we sorted out to do is to build it non-gaming, uh, first of all, non-gaming, because we think we have it in full advantage because people will send their, their people to Las Vegas for conventions, which you have to come because all the major conventions are here. They're first going to look at, I want to go to that place here. I I think I don't want my employees coming to Las Vegas and being in a smoke-filled environment and in a casino environment. They can focus more on their work. Well, that makes us the only property on the Las Vegas Strip that can be able to do that. Besides that, we're only about one block away from the Las Vegas Convention Center. And then, so we said we can do that. And then also, we can expand the technology and be able to have upgraded. Because again, I worked for seven and a half years at the Latin Hotel. We ran the entertainment, meaning that from the employee side. Uh, so what I've sat in meetings before, and I know that you do not try to have a uh, a person go to their rooms and you know work environment or in other places. You want them in the casino, you know. So we did everything we could to get them there and give them the barely, the amenities to be able to work there because you want them in the casino. We want to change that. We wanted the person to come to Las Vegas and be able to sitting in in the in the hotel room and have a great work environment uh and then uh and then we you know we also going to put some boardrooms into some of our places where you can be able to work be able to order any lunch and let's expand the opportunity that now i go to a great convention and instead of me having one person that i'm going to meet i stay over and i get three or four people because they got a work environment that's there that allows us to be able to do so so by so, not having that and expanding that then that's one of the things we did
1: yeah. So that's easy. I completely agree. I'm in Vegas or I used to be in Vegas all the time. I would love to have facilities like that. What's, what's the estimated budget, uh, for, for the build?
3: Uh, the estimated budget is $4.2 billion.
1: There you go. Listen, the U S government spends it, uh, every hour. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're totally in line with all that. Um, so, so pivoting and, and I want, and I'm going to come back to Jackie on, on a few questions, but I don't want to get too far in, into this. So the, in Help me understand the the convergence of, John, your technology with, with Jackie's um, traditional real estate build. How, how, does, how does Quest help uh, finance this deal?
4: So the vision with Quest is to be able to have, you know, decentralized finance available in a lot more markets, real estate being the topic of this discussion. So that means that in order to do so, we need to find a way to attach a digital asset to the physical asset. Of course, the physical asset being the all net resort and arena and the digital asset being cryptocurrency, which is our chosen digital asset. And we all know why that's that's a good digital asset because it's it's trackable, it's very transparent, and um, you know, it's it's private as in, in many instances when it needs to be. So that was the original challenge was how do we attach these two assets together? And there are some models on the market right now. If you looked for real estate crypto, you'd see five or six on the first page of Google. But those we feel that those models use those companies use inferior models, inferior models of attaching the asset, and then also inferior models of tokenization and and Jay, you know, I'll let you Ask those questions when you feel
1: you need to. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, there's there's a number of, of uh, you know REITs out there that are trying to tokenize. There's a number of um, you know real I, I can't remember the acronym. There's too many of them in our industry already. Um, but but define you know what your what your model or your metric is. Um, you know we don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing I, I just really want to understand um, you know 4.2 billion and, and that's assuming there's no cost overruns uh, in, in this world which I'm sure Jackie's already anticipated so so to, to raise four billion in a decentralized uh, manner I mean there's there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot that goes in there we saw ohm uh olympus olympus only made it to about what 3.4 before they crashed back down so it's a very volatile industry um so so talk a little bit about how you know you you can create a store of value uh that will allow jackie to to get uh the financing he needs because at the end of the day i don't think his contractors and not saying anything's wrong with it but i don't think his contractors are going to be taking cryptocurrency
4: maybe not now but uh hopefully they will towards the end right that'd be pretty cool
1: we got we got to get the first shovel in the ground. (laughs)
4: <laughs> exactly. Yep. So you've identified a few different challenges, Jay. The first one being that, you know, when projects are launched and they, they have interest, they kind of peak. And then that value decreases either significantly in one setting, you know, overnight, or it decreases gradually over time that the value was bled out. And so that's that's been the challenge all along is, okay, we've got to have an asset that is not only decentralized, but is attached to something with something with a stable backing, and that's real estate. So in order to overcome those two challenges, um, the first one being we have to attach it to something. You could think of this kind of like a, a stable asset, um, but there's a lot more upside to it, and we'll get into that in this discussion. So you could... We could actually call it more like a like a stable plus token, you know, or stable um, additional whatever every streaming service has, you know, plus max token because So
1: so you're so, but you're uh, just to be. I'm being clear for the listeners. So you're talking about uh, a stable coin, which which is traditionally pegged at a dollar, but you're talking a stable plus. So you're uh linking it to the real estate, correct? Correct.
4: Yep. So it's an asset linked to the real estate. And through our legal uh, technology, it has a floor, and that floor will be the value that we set initially, or and the value of the um, of the project. So that's the floor there, and so we don't see that these tokens or this token ecosystem that we're creating will ever bottom out. Um, but what we do see is that while people get involved and get interested and use these tokens for more than just sitting on them, you know, using them in the metaverse that will be created in addition to this project, using them for other NFTs available with this property, and then using them for governance as well. The value um, hopefully will increase as, like I said, as people begin to use them and, and extinguish them.
2: John, is there a, a another group doing anything similar to what Quest is trying to do with real estate that you've been able to observe? Is there anyone who's paving the way or lessons
4: that you've been able to learn uh, from previous actions? So we did mention just a few moments ago, tokenized REITs, they're online. And like I said, there's five, maybe 10 of them on the first page of Google that you could just look up, crypto REIT or real estate crypto. Um, However, this is indeed different because we're tokenizing the actual um, real estate rights associated on the property. So Mike and Jay, you'll probably know, and Jackie, of course, that there, that with any piece of real estate, there is the right of um, the, the bundle of rights. There's the right to peacefully enjoy the property. There's the right of equity in the home. There's the right of income in the home or commercial property. In, you know, in the income sense. There's a lot of rights. There's the right of management as well, which can be delegated out. And that's how our model is significantly different to the ones that, that you'll find out there. They're in abundance, of course, as their models are not unique. Ours are because of that individual rights tokenization process.
1: So let me, let me jump over real quick. And Let's start with the immediate needs. So there's a lot of future use cases for for the token. What's the What's the first use case? Which is again, Jackie's going to need some funding to get up and running to to break ground. So how how do you, in a decentralized um, manner, cre- create that initial value and and then extract it, um, you know, almost immediately for for Jackie's use case. Mm-hmm.
4: So that initial value comes from the fact, as we said, there, there are two initial points. Um, the fact that these tokens are tried, tied to the property, tied to the real estate um, uh, in, the, in the project. And the other fact that they're providing governance and shall we say community interaction. Those are the two ways we'd like to involve the community right now. Um, in addition to that, um, we have a limited time offering available to participants, as we'll call them, people who are interested in coming on board and participating at this early stage. They'll not only get access to the tokens at a discount, um, but keeping up with trends right. in the cryptosphere right now, we'll also be offering Genesis NFTs or Founders NFTs that offer um, various perks right now and in extended into the future.
1: So, Christian, there's. I, I need to come back to for a second and talk about the initial value extraction. Like, so there's a raise, which is very standard in in this industry. So, you're raising capital to break ground, and and the banks are going to be, you know, they're going to be funding this thing. Crypto can be the the um, conduit to get it in there. But how's how's the initial value extraction not going to cause the, this coin to, to bottom out or how will that allow for future investors? Because when you have a, a very diverse ecosystem like this building, then there's a metaverse and there's so many other currencies going on and it's, and it's a new coin. Really talk to me about the ecosystem and how you're going to manage so many varied use cases um, it, it, as well as, you know, securities. <laughs>
4: Yeah. So again, you asked about, I guess, the initial value. Are you referring to the initial value to token holders, or are you referring to the value that will be extracted, as you said, and returned back into um, cash for the project?
1: Correct. So Jackie's going to need, you know, if he's if he's uh, doing four billion, you know, four billion dollar build, uh, Mike. What's what's probably he's going to need at least ten percent down. Um, if not more, so where? How are we going to extract 400 million from a coin? Um, and I don't even know what your current valuation is today, but you're extracting that value out, putting that into the bank because the subs and everything else are going to need it. So um, that that's where it, it's incredibly complex and very, um, you know. Uh, advantageous project, and that's why I'm really curious about how this is going to happen because absolutely will revolutionize. Jake, revolutionize. Jake, Jake, can I, um,
3: Jake, can I speak? Can I speak on that a little bit before and then? I can. With, uh, yeah. Let uh, uh, John go into that. W- one of the things you got to look at is that one is that the, the project we're building is over three three and a half years, so it's, it's going to mm-hmm. take some time. So it goes into a you know a construction budget. The other thing we're doing is that we are also doing a construction loan. Alongside of it, so it's going to go uh, in a parallel scenario with it. So it's going to allow the crypto to be able to market, be able to breathe without putting the pressure on the crypto scenario. And if we're wildly successful, we'll take out X amount of construction financing. If it takes longer, then we'll take a full construction loan out and then utilize the crypto to be able to pay off the construction loan. Over the period of time, so that way we make sure that the project is on schedule, gets built, and be able to run along uh, in, in a natural progression in that scenario. So it's not going to be a situation where we're going to to, to Christian and to, to John and say, "Hey, we need more money." You know, it's we aren't allowed to be able to market it, better be able to go. Let the project be built as it's being built; then it will, it will be able to grow in this natural progression. And then at the period of time that, depending on how fast or how we move, then we'll utilize the crypto to take out the construction financing.
1: Mike, I, I'm going to let you answer that or, or, or follow that one up.
2: Yeah, I guess the, the question that I had goes back to something that, that John said uh, a few minutes ago, also, which is, um, you know, you, you've got a, 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 from what I understand, actually several tokens in this project, but one of the tokens is tied to the real estate, to use your, your words. Um, what's this stop? As an investor in a token, what's to stop you guys from the double spend problem, right? Where you're literally selling more than more than one set of tokens that are tied to the real estate. If you don't have a, a traditional mortgage, which tells the public that you've granted the rights to take the property in the event that you don't service the mortgage debt or the promissory note tied to the mortgage, what's to stop somebody from, what, what makes people, let's flip it into the positive. What makes people feel good about investing into a token that is tied to the real estate when there could, in fact, be uh, mortgage debt or second mortgage or mezzanine loans uh, also attached to the property? So put differently, how do I know that I'm really the only one getting something tied to the real estate? That's that's one of the things that
4: I'm, I'm fascinated by. So without getting into too much detail or without getting into the weeds too far, what I can say is this the legal processes that we use um, puts us, Quest, as the token issuer, in a lateral position with the taxing authority. So whatever the local and federal taxing authority is, Quest, again as I said, as the token issuer is lateral with that. So there's a lot of control that we have. There's a lot of power that we have as well. Um, And like I said, without getting too much into the um, inner workings of that which are behind an NDA um, I can say that we will we will be demonstrating this to the public we will be demonstrating um, all of the power and uh, control that Quest has as well as why like you said Mike why there isn't a double spend problem um, and we'll also be publishing which which are available now like I said if, if people have questions they can reach out to us right now but when, when this goes public, um, all of the information on this will be online, as well as peer reviews and um, statements from the firm that we have working on this project as well, Messner Reeves. So,
1: so, so just as a point of quick clarification, so it, it's, no, it's not a decentralized platform. You're, you're saying that Quest is, has the centralized control over the funding metrics and value of the coin, is that correct?
4: So Quest is the, is the issuer, um, and so if that's what we're, you're referring to, yes. However, when the tokens are in circulation, they will be fully decentralized. They will have governance, um, and there will be a DAO to um, have influence on the, the power that Quest as a company has as well.
2: Um, so Jackie, what's the timing on the on the construction like you're a pre-con now, you're in, you've got a lot of entitlements, I think already. What's, can you walk us through the, the timeline on your side of the project?
3: Now, the timeline is, is is currently. We are actually will be over the next couple of weeks. We have um, uh, term sheets that we already have. Our lawyers are reviewing them right now on it. What we did is we kind of kind of worked in conjunction with it. Uh, the ones that we are worked with right now, we don't have a prepayment penalty uh they can be taken out uh you know over a very short period of time i think it's about eight to ten months so therefore you won't have an overlap with that and then we'll utilize those funds to be able to come in and take those take the construction loans out if we if it comes out that we have to because one of the, the biggest things that to have to do is the project has to be built completed because that's the main thing so once we have that going along and depending upon how successful we are you know, the, the goal is for us to raise the full amount to complete the project with the, with the Quest um, tokens, because that's the most advantageous scenario for us, because we will not be paying a principal and interest while that the tokens are in place, rather than paying principal and interest. So if we are able to take that, and utilize that and take that out, uh, then it's more advantageous for us. But we want to make sure that it moves along and the project gets built. So that ensures that, without having to overlap and having to say, well, who's in first position, who's in second, we can always take it out because we do not have a prepayment penalty, and we can take it out within an eight to ten month period of time. So it, it allows us to be able to do that. So, that, so the construction financing that we're doing, we're making sure that it is in conjunction and in co- in accordance with the with the um, crypto. So it makes it work. You know, so it doesn't have an, an interference problem who's in first in second. and allows us to be able to take the time to be able to do it. We don't have to raise all of the bunnies all we'd like to, but if we do it over the period of time, we think the excitement of seeing the project being built and you can actually see with your eyes that the participation that you have with your, with the tokens is going to resonate rather than when you have a typical crypto, you don't, and you don't know what's behind it. You don't know what's going to crash, but by you coming and seeing it being built, then you know that the value is growing in that situation. So
2: you, will you be building this project in, I mean, I know all construction projects have phases, but is it your uh, plan right now to build the, the, the larger draws, the, the arena, the, the, um, the studio space, the, the, uh, the conference center simultaneously, or will those things happen in an
3: iterative approach? When you can't do it in Las Vegas. The land is too expensive here. You have to build it all at once. Okay. You know, you build it in phases. You know, when when you have a property that's has a value for this incident number four hundred million dollars, you can't just build an arena to try to do it. Plus, when you're building these things, they're very complex. We're going up sixty-five stories. They're hazardous, so you have to build them all at once, and you save thirty percent by doing them all at once. So you're building it all at, at once. You're building it over over a, over a period of time, three three and a half years is completion. Time for
1: the project. Fascinating. Like again, I, I'm I'm in commercial real estate. Like we've got to be able to to generate revenue, and we have to be able to convert that. Uh, no matter what, no matter what that vehicle is, and cryptocurrency, I think is a very very valid and, and entrepreneurial one. Um, but we still have to be able to extract value, which will cause issues to the coin because you can't double dip and and, and say the debt is a you know is, is a part of the value. So. And I understand there's some secret sauce, but but help me understand, you know, um, as best as you can, John, that the ecosystem around which I just described, how this is segmented and, and I mean, the, the contracts, the smart contracts around this are, are in, in my head already insanely complex.
4: So to simplify that, I think the question that you're asking is really about the transparency um, and then... You know, going back to that, like you said, how each project is segmented, how different phases are segmented, how different real estate rights are segmented, um, so on and so forth. So let's back up first. Um, I want to drive us back to where you where you were talking about the Quest token. Um, so think of it this way. Each, assuming Quest has 100 different properties in its ecosystem each property would have its own token set so they're not all commingled into one quest token we believe in providing absolute transparency right up front um, and the way to do that is to have each property with its own token set with its own token ids um, and then people can see see the property and see the asset behind it that's how that works so in the instance of the all net resort arena there will be the Allnet Resort and Arena token, um, and as I said previously, the real estate right that we've decided to tokenize and associate with that currently is the right of governance. So what we do, Jay, to to go along your smart contracts question, is we have a contract factory, and we input all of the details from Jackie Robinson's property. Um, it's you know the land is this big the value is this such and such and such and then we're able to set parameters on which real estate rights we want minted and which rights we want available for public circulation so in the in the instance of this project um like i said we're doing the we're releasing the right of governance into circulation so but um Am I, am I going in the direction you want me to, or do I need to take it a step well, back? Well, Just
2: the governance yeah. is one thing, but I guess the, 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 what Jay's, uh, harping on and I agree is, you know, what we, what we call cash, right? So at the end of the day, you got to pay the debt service and that comes from under, either the underlying property generating revenue, which it clearly will. If you have an arena and a, and a, and a TV studio and production studio and stuff, not to mention a hotel, um, but in the interim, you know, what's the what is the method by which the token holders are getting compensated? So if the answer is that they're not, um, if if there is a, you know, if I guess if, if these the money goes into the allnet project because the tokens are sold, uh, what, what's the token holder left with if there's no revenue coming in? Right. That's the that's what I guess. What my question is: How do you is is it a promise for is it secured by the promise for future rents or future lease income or future property income? Because you said governance, but that doesn't mean cash to me.
4: Right, so we have to be careful on this topic. Um, Number one is because the land isn't generating any revenue right now. There's no rents, income, there's no ticket sales from the arena because the project isn't built. So upfront, we can't offer revenue for, through those revenue channels to the users because that would be, um, you know, that would be a Ponzi scheme. The only way we'd be able to provide revenue to them is from new token sales compensating them, you know, down the funnel. So we can't do that. So that currently there is no revenue front like I said, from rents or from the arena. Um, in the future, as you're suggesting, Mike, there will be revenue on this project, and the governance tokens are what allow those revenue channels to um, come into the DeFi space. So so people, and, and again, we're segregating all of these different rights. We're segregating the right of equity, the right of rent, the right of management, the right of governance, so on and so forth, into different tokens. So the right of governance will give you access to that full token set once the property is available.
2: So the right of governance supersedes once all of them? Yes. <laughs> Okay. So I guess then we get back to the notion that, uh, I guess, and I, you know, I certainly don't want to be argumentative. I am just trying to help our listeners understand this. If the right of governance controls the underlying, uh, you know, income, the, the equity, uh, which to me is derivative of the income or the other way around, uh, property management, things like that. Isn't this a registered security then? is not it, that, that, that point, does not this become the promise of future value for the sale of something today? Because I know, you guys are careful not to trip yeah. that circuit breaker, but I don't know how you accomplished that. If if I hold a governance token, and I could later turn it in for a right to the revenue, even if it's not today, that
3: to me sounds like security. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a limited it's a limited situation based upon the operations fund that, that we that they're allowed to be able to participate in, uh, because not an in, investment. A, it's a participation. There's a limited amount because obviously we can't uh, take the full revenues up because we have operating costs and expenses. So it's a participation and there are certain aspects from the operations from our team. We said, listen, here are some things that we can be able to utilize or either be able to give it. And then there's also, there, once we're open, there will be a lot of different perks. Just like when you go to a normal casino as well, that you'll be able to get those uh, amenities that we have that you won't be able to get in other tokens that you will be able to get in the physical aspect of the hotel but there will be some limited amounts we'll be able to do but i think that the overall expansion of the project the uh amenities that you'll be able to use there and then some uh but there'll be this put aside from the standpoint of the operations whatever because one of the things we do not want to do is violating, getting into an SEC situation, so the governances will not we're, we're, make sure that they don't cross over on those things. You know, from this aspect of talking about uh, like, a, like you with a stock or something like that. It is just not that in this case. So,
2: how much are you?
4: Yeah, and and Jackie's and Jackie's taking the conversation where it needs to go.
2: How much money are you guys going to raise from the sale of tokens?
4: There will be six point five billion tokens minted, and that's the
3: hard cap. Is a token supposed to be a dollar? Yes. So, and and, and I think Mike, when I ask your question, and then and the reason that again, the most important thing that everybody wants to see that participates uh, with this situation, the project is because that's where the value is, and so that's why if we raise a hundred to five hundred to five point whatever six billion dollars, it it. To that token, it doesn't make a difference because we're gonna make sure with the construction side. So for instance, that if we only raise $100 million, then the rest is coming from construction financing. And then you have that token that has its value if it's $100 million, or if it raises the full amount of money. And so it, so it goes, you have to do a parallel. And that's what you gotta look at it, just if not in a situation. Well, what happens if we don't raise enough? And what happens to my, to my tokens, the value and everything else, whatever? What that's going to happen because we're going in a parallel scenario. And so, therefore, you know, it will still maintain that situation gets completed. And if we raise, you know, six billion uh, of our tokens or we raise a 100, you know, it still holds its value.
1: So let me ask again, and, and you're talking to some of the most crypto business focused people on the planet right here. I, I, I'm just saying, I don't understand. I'm, I am, I am, I am, re- I am a real estate guy. I'm a crypto guy. I run, you know, a, this is what I do all day long, and I'm, I'm very confused. And I understand that there's some secret sauce, um, but that, that we're missing. But if if you can really help me, because if the fallback is just traditional funding, it you're burning a lot of calories, you know, with with an experiment right here, um, on an already extremely advantageous project. So, and there's The stable plus is still a little confusing to me as well.
4: So let's go back to just the pure simple facts. The tokens are tied to the real estate. And the stable plus, you could think of it like this. As real estate rises, so will the tokens. Real estate rises year over year. And the tokens will do the same because they are attached, in fact, to the real estate And there's a a finite amount minted, as we said on this call. There will be 6.5 mil minted, and there will never be any more minted. So that means when you purchase, let's say you purchase um, 100 million tokens, you have that percentage of real estate value, and it will continue to increase as as a project. That's where the stable plus aspect of this can come in. In addition to what Jackie's talking about, all of the other um, outlets for the token and all of the other ecosystem features that we have designed.
1: So, when when you're doing the initial token sale, and, and let's just only let ask the question: Are you pegging it that these tokens to a dollar, to a U.S. dollar?
4: To the U.S. dollar, no. To okay. a value in the real estate, yes. So, if you're saying a, a dollar in the real estate, yes. But to something like I'm USDC.
1: Just, yeah. If someone wants to buy these on either through the initial token sale or on the or months later, years later on the open market, are you are you attempting to peg it at a single US dollar? It can be tied to whatever you want it to say it's tied to. I'm saying that if I put a hundred million dollars in and and we don't reach the goal, and then Jackie goes goes ahead and pivots and says, Well, I'm just gonna go get traditional funding. What just happened? To, what what just happened to the value of my token? Because now, where where does where does where does my coin sit in the uh, in the debt debt pyramid?
3: Can, can I answer that, Michael? So can I can I answer that real quick, and then you can ask. Please, it, it it doesn't make a difference. If you raise a hundred million dollars and I have to raise four point two, then I will get four point one in construction finance. And so, so you already have $100 million. So that has a precedence over that situation. So it still has its value overall in that situation. So I'm not going to go and get. We're running it parallel. So it, depending on how well so successful we're moving along with this, whatever, determines on how much construction financing I will pull down. If it's only necessary to pull $100 million in construction finance or a dollar, then that's what we will do. So we are not... We're not going to look into, oh, we have a problem now. We're going over construction. No, we're going parallel. We'll start off okay. this way. And if we're going and we're making great progress with the crypto financing, then we will continue on with that. If we're yeah. not as little mm-hmm. as then we'll do construction. Because, again, the where you're getting your value at is that the project has to get completed. So if you only raise $100 million and we come in with our constructive financing one four point one, then you still have your value there with the, with the crypto. Because you have it, because the total project is four point two billion dollars, so it still has okay. that dollar for dollar, you know, value. Yeah, Jack. Jackie answered that very well,
4: and that's how we prevent any double financing as well. Yeah. If you recall, Jay and Mike, as we said in the beginning of this call, the Quest Protocol means that the tokens, when they're attached to the land, they're um, they're lateral with the taxing authority. So that should answer your question, Jay. Is where do these tokens sit? Um, and then Mike's question of double financing—I think Jackie did a wonderful
3: job answering It's not double financing at all, not at all.
1: Okay, no, and that was that was again what I was trying to clarify. And, 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 so and,
3: that, that. and well, and then Jay, that, you know, you really say that's why you have to you have to and listen. I'll give you an example. The state of Nevada wants to do. They're they're working with us, and right now we can go for over three point two, you know, billion dollars in revenue bonds, but. In that revenue bond scenario, as you know, doing the bond, you have to pay principal, interest, and you have to do credit enhancement. So it doesn't work for us in this in this different scenario. We have a a construction loan that is interest only, and that could be paid off with any no prepayment penalty. So it doesn't run in in, in a in a combative situation. It runs along with it, and I can take out as much as I want on the construction side. I can take out one dollar. I can take out four point two. So so that's what we were saying before. So it's not. It will never interfere with that. And it's not not double financing.
1: So and what- no 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 and I wasn't saying double financing. I was saying in the the order of, of you know who's holding the debt. So it becomes a, a relevant point if there's a problem. And again, I'm not saying there is, but I'm just in the theoretical commercial construction uh, uh, ecosystem. When when you have a debt holder sitting above a, a, another debt holder, that that was my question: is where do these tokens fall if it fails? And again, they're pegged at a dollar, so there's no there's no upside to me to to purchase this because we're pe- we're you know, stable plus again, which which you've done a, a good job of trying to explain. Um, so I, I buy it for a dollar, and the most I can sell it for is a dollar. Um, I, I'm, and and again, I'm just trying to understand the the parallels in the ecosystem because it's an already complex project. and And this is a, a new protocol, which to you know, again, to be clear, um John said we don't have all the all the information here. so there's there's uh, I think mm-hmm. at the end of this month, um we'll be able to see the the white paper and and see how this works. but that that's my cause for confusion is there's just a lot going on here. And and I'm very familiar with with you know raising money through cryptocurrencies, um, but the fact that it's pegged at a at a at a, at a value, um, I, I'm trying to understand the the where it's going to rise and fall from, and and essentially if there is a problem, what happens to that with that 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 uh, posi- position? Am I explaining that correctly, Michael?
2: Yeah, I mean, I my I, I w- I guess my my question is you know in. in uh, Jackie, this is your world. So if you have a construction cost overrun and, you know, there's a problem on the Vegas Strip or a pandemic or something and the project's behind, um, you know, yes, I understand there's no principal interest. Uh, you know, it's interest only for a certain time, but in the event of a default, you'd have a, a situation where any of the other people supporting it would get wiped out. Uh, John said these, 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 the, this, this property is tied to tokens in a manner that's at the moment you know they don't want to talk they just won't talk about it yet because of a confidentiality but at some point you'll be telling people you know this the the, the method by which that works so I guess my question is you know are your does your lender have or does your construction financing provider have a view on this are they excited about this are they worried about it does it affect their because it sounds like no.
3: you, you, you
2: prime the pump in, 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 sorry you prime no. them in a, in a in
3: a default situation yeah, yeah, well the, the well the whole the whole situation again is that the, the construction financing that we have uh is for a total of four point five up to four point five days. If you take that but much, we, you may not take that much. Yeah, we may not right, take that much. Right. But, but, but any, any construction lender wants is want to make sure that the project is completed. So the money is there. So to complete the project. So if we only raise one dollar in the crypto, the project is completed. Right. And so then that means that we on the crypto i mean the construction side will raise 4.199999 that one dollar what has its value into the situation so it doesn't and also what is it's important is that not having a prepayment penalty so you're not going over and maturing and paying a whole lot of interest the interest rate that we have is three percent right i not for and our and i think that's a big $2. deal that
2: there's no defeasance penalty but at the same time jackie walk me through what happens if you're able to raise two billion and you take two billion in construction debt out, and then there's a problem. Where does the two billion in the tokenized pool sit if there's a, a talk of a, a default? Like, how does that? How does how do the construction lender and the two billion dollars for the crypto uh, asset holders? How do they How do they communicate?
3: Well, the the in, in the situation with the um, with the well to communicate because a number one you know we have a scenario which the token is a subordinate to the construction lender so but the bottom line of it if it gets completed at the time that the projects get completed the value of the project 4.2 the value of the property without any revenue is going to be well in excess of about uh, 5.3 5.4 billion just because of that situation so there is plenty enough of them, that we have to sell it or whatever, that they would be in a primary position to be able to get paid back on the situation. So there will not be a maturation of a situation where we have an, a, a situation where we're fighting over a scenario. Those tokens would be paid back. The, but that's post That's so a post-construction situation, but it, what if it was in the middle of it? Well, it, well if, if, if that's the reason that we have the full amount of $4.5 billion, so it won't. So we won't have a default so, in that situation. If fee speeds up, slow down, whatever, we can pull. And again, you got to look at this. We're going over a three and a half year period of time of construction, but it's not, you need it all at once. Right. So we need X amount of dollars right here. So if we feel that the, because the most advantageous funding for it is the crypto, because again, we look at it as an operator. Once we open up, let's say hypothetically that we open, we have to raise all of the money. Well, for us, we're not paying a principal and interest, uh, initially on that situation so on that scenario so then it's more advantageous from an operational standpoint rather than a construction one so obviously what we want to do is if we were if we were not going to have four billion i mean a uh, total of four billion dollars in office she'll be paying three percent and with the crypto we would not be we would only be paying interest only on two billion dollars and so at the end and then at the end of the at the end of the construction period, which our construction loan is a, is a four-year plus a, a, a rollover, it has a rollover senior debt component that rolls out over thirty years. So then, therefore, then those th- that those tokens would be in a primary position um, to, to compare to the scenario with the um, with the project. Now, what we have is an evaluation that was done by an outside evalu- evaluator is that the project will be have a value of somewhere around nine to ten billion dollars once it's open. Now that gives us to debt service. That gives us a twenty percent, you know, LTV. So that means that selling the property in the Las Vegas Strip, you can see what all the properties on the Las Vegas Strip. I'll give you an example. The Mirage was built for six hundred million dollars. That property has a value sold somewhere around two point eight. The Bellagio was built for one point six billion. It sold for four point eight billion. The value that you have, and once it's completed. From the standpoint of construction and then what operating side that it will be there is is will will be in a, in a very protective position on the way going you know once you open up and start to operate so we'll not be in a situation where they will lose their monies or be in a advantageous position over on the finance so if we if we raise two billion dollars and i'm only going to pull two two billion dollars in construction finance
1: all right, yeah, exactly. I, I can move, I, Jackie. I'll move. I'm going to move us past the the finance of this. Let's go to the exit. Let's go to the fun part. All right, we've built this. We've yeah. we've raised the money. We've got we pulled in two billion dollars of crypto, and you you've pulled the rest through traditional financing. Yeah. We're good. We we got it. Now is where I need to understand <laughs> Stable Plus. How how I would realize my upside uh, on on an exit of a of a coin that again I help me understand just an exit. We've we've sold it. Jackie's doubled doubled the investment. What what does an exit look like for the cryptocurrency holder?
4: So there's a few different exits. Of course, while all of this is happening um, on the decentralized, on any decentralized platform, you can go ahead and exchange those tokens, assuming that there's liquidity for them, um, which we know sometimes is an issue. Um, however, what we will be providing right now and into the future is a metaverse on this project. So the tokens can actually be redeemed if you want for any metaverse component. Um, and and so to, to break that down into terms that can be understood on this call, we're mapping all of the metaverse components and digital assets to the physical assets on the property. So if you were to, Jay, if you had 100 of these tokens and you wanted to participate in the metaverse, you could essentially purchase a digital brick in the metaverse, which would be in that location um, on the property in the metaverse. And there would also be a physical brick with your name or your QR code or your unstoppable domain or whatever you want on that brick in the physical world as well. So that there is complete interlinking. So as, as you're walking down, The pathway of bricks, you can see, oh, cool, that that brick was donated by Jay. That one was was donated by Mike, and there will be a QR code for them to go in and interact with the digital components that you put on there. Um, In addition to that, exits down the line would be you can redeem these tokens for rooms in the resorts, for tickets in the arena. Uh, Pretty much about anything as this token becomes sort of, and on-property currency in this ecosystem.
1: So, so the go- the goal is that not only um, is it an investment vehicle, but at, once the resort opens, that it will be a, it would be the currency of the hotel. Um, I guess similar to what would be normally like point hotel points.
4: Yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Instead of hotel points, these this will be the mechanism and the rewards program to facilitate that.
2: And is it deflationary?
4: Yes, it is. Yep. So as people, like I said, as people cash in for those uh, metaverse bricks right now, if they want to, they'll, they'll be burned or returned to, um, or returned to the operator. Um, and same thing when they're cashed in for rooms, they'll be deflationary there as well.
3: You know, one of the things that we, we thought we were going to do from, and I'm going to speak from the operations side, where it'd be a benefit. I think mean, everyone's came to Las Vegas and understand if you gamble here and you lose X amount of dollars, then you can get room, food, airline flight, and everything else, whatever. What we're doing is reward points because of the purchase, I mean, the the uh, participants of the, of, with inside the, the, the property. And we're giving those rewards back if it's specifically for, uh, rewards back for rooms, for shows, for all the other benefits that you get besides, uh, you know, the other things that he is talking about from an operational standpoint. So you, if you uh, participate, you know, if somebody participates and put 100000 in for whatever sake, then they get rewards points back which they can be able to come to our location and be able to recoup those rooms, food, shows. You know, there's airline flights, all the other things like this, whatever. That's there. That's different from this going through a regular token as well. I'm speaking from an operation standpoint. He can tell you on the other side what you're looking at, but I'm just looking at the benefits that you'd be able to receive from being a participant uh, in the financial end side.
1: So, John, talk to us about your uh, the, the team that's working on this today, and and kind of what's going to be needed as this ramps up because it's a again extremely advantageous project. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. So we have we have an excellent team um, out of New York, and we also have a separate metaverse team also out of New York, and uh, we'd love to get into the details of who they are and what they do um, at a later date. But um, this this will be very unique. Um, we feel that again we do have good teams to make this happen, and as you said, Jay, we are also looking for people. Interested in helping us, interested in participating now, um, participating in this at an early standpoint, and, um, you know, they'll be able to get the benefit from that as well. Um, the team we have, the the core team we have in our business, there are four founders, myself, Christian Barlow, who you've not met. That was the attorney you were talking about earlier, Jay. Okay. Michael Waters, who is our in-house real estate expert who's done hundreds and hundreds of real estate transactions. And he's kind of the guy we sandbox all of our technology with. He's really great at helping us break the system. Um, And then we also have Saul Kenton, who is our chief investment officer. And he's located in New Jersey. He's not local with the rest of us, but we're also very pleased to have him on our team.
1: Fabulous. Love it. No, I mean, it's, listen, there, there's a lot going on and you guys are uh, Ethereum ECR20 tokens, correct? This is on Polygon. Mm-hmm. Polygon. So, okay. Ethereum ecosystem. So, uh, again, extremely large project, massive mm-hmm. vision, not just from the cryptocurrency side, but, I mean, this resort is, is huge. Yeah. Jackie, I, let's just make sure everyone truly understands what in the world what you're talking about here. Can you just give a high level overview, almost a fly through, of what this hotel, resort, and and convention center really will be? Sure,
3: I'll be more happy to. Uh, well, first of all, uh, in, in Las Vegas, you know when you when you're dealing with these resorts, it's got to be a mixed use, and you got to be able to have a lot of different revenue sources because the land is so expensive on the Las Vegas Strip, and they compete. Uh, Resorts World just opened up and they completed their first phase, and that was $4.3 billion. Uh, if you look at City Center, City Center costs well over $10 billion. Uh, we're very fortunate here because we have 60 million people and growing that we can support it. It's the only place in the United States where you can build something for this situation and be able to do it. Currently, right now, this is either the number one or number two largest private project going on right now in the United States. Uh, we are the. Um, the the first and the largest minority-owned project in the history of the United States, were the first minority to be able to build on on the Las Vegas Strip. So it's a historic project. Uh, And so what we've done is that rather than come in and put together and talking about the the overall resort, it is 2,500 rooms. Uh, It is uh, nearly 400 square feet of retail space. Uh, It is uh, nearly 400,000 square feet of convention space. It has a dinner showroom of 3,000. We have a 60 square foot nightclub. We have movie theaters, bowling alleys. Um, We have boardrooms uh, for convention space. Um, We have a, um, upstairs we have a uh, supper club that's for jazz. We have five pools. Uh, It is a true mega resort. And the reason that we have some of those other amenities and even downstairs we have a grocery uh, store because we're in a unique situation in the the north end of the strip. If any of your viewers have ever went there, we're surrounded by condominiums that are there. So we did a town hall meeting, you know, one of the things they requested is say some amenities that they don't go five miles, which we're very happy to do because now they're coming on our property and they're using our property every day. And so, and then the, then going back to the, which is the, the, the crown jewel, which is the arena. The arena is a, um, for twenty-five thousand for boxing, and also for uh, for um, concerts. Uh, it is twenty-three thousand for basketball, uh, and then also for we have you know practice facilities there for other different things. Uh, we have our main operator is Spectacor, which is a uh, solely owned company of Comcast, which is now merged with I think it's Opio, uh, which is the operator. That securitizes, you know, the amount of days which we're looking to supply for about 180 to 200 dates out of the year, uh, along with the Las Vegas Convention authorities. So we have a situation which it will be able to allow us in which you are not guaranteeing that we're saying that. But we're building a facility with all the NBA specs. As you know, there's been uh, if you look at the, the Las Vegas Raiders. They moved from Oakland and moved to Las Vegas just to move along and made them the eighth most Valuable franchise in the whole system. Just moving to Las Vegas because of the demand, you know, that you have here. Uh, the Golden Knights is the most valuable franchise in the whole. So right now, you know, looking at it, uh, the next maturation is 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 NBA. NBA does not have an NBA compliant arena in Las Vegas right now. We will provide that. So we're not going out saying, "Well, yeah, we're going to bring an NBA team," but we built it obviously if, if, if you're in the sports entity at all and, and understand that, then then they want to be in this area where it's very successful. So I played there the two places that, you know, what's been said in all newspapers that they're, that they're looking at is Seattle, which I played at in Seattle, uh, and then also Las Vegas. But I played in both of those places. Uh, and so we have a great team, a uh, group of people that from an operator standpoint, we made our build very, very desirable for an NBA. But the good thing, good thing about it is that if we don't get an NBA team at all, by having those 180 days that we have here, you know, with uh, you know uh, all the different things, that fights and other things of that nature, then it will make us very, very successful. We actually we did our feasibility without having an NBA team at all. But having an NBA team here that would be that. And the reason that the NBA is not here, quite frankly, because there is an arena that will – that can fit the amenities that it's needed, and we've done that. We supplied that, but it's a, our project's a mixed-use project, which makes it very attractive to NCA basketball, to NBA basketball. They do not want to go on TV and have live from Las Vegas and have casino blinking, you know, in that situations, whatever. They want to be more acceptable to the general public, and so we get that I, mode.
1: I fully agree. I I go to Vegas all the time, and I think it's been probably two decades since I <laughs> since I gambled. It's something you do to your younger days. Oh, and, and, uh, absolutely. One other
3: thing I want to do, we're doing a 60,000 square foot production studio, and this is very, very important. The state is going to be subsidized with tax credits, but it's going to allow us to be able to, for revenue sources there, we will be able to take the content and be able to produce it ourselves, but also we'll be able to do a lot of sitcoms, war shows, uh, movies, uh, and also recording there. And so it's going to be something that the state really wants because there's a big huge and overflow from from california but also having our relationship with spectacore movie premieres all these type of award shows and all these things whatever so we're kind of marriaging you know all of those great you know opportunities that people can participate with in one second
1: love it love it john where, where can uh as viewers want to know more and and hear more about you know quest and and uh and the project um where can they reach you
4: so they can reach us on our website, questcrypto.com. Um, and then for additional information about Jackie's project, we're actually hosting an event on February 22nd. We would love people who are local to Las Vegas or have room in their schedule to travel to come to that event to meet with us, to meet with Jackie and his team, learn more about the project, um, you know, ask all the questions you need to, and then... Uh, that like i said that event will be on 222 here in las vegas to request an invite or request additional details on the allnet project visit allnet.quest and uh, go to that website there's a form there that uh, you'll be able to request information on it a little bit more about quest and then jay i'm certain will give some closing remarks we were invited by a small caribbean country last year to digitize their title registry in the country what they have they're having a problem with um, physical land records because they're you know written with fraud it's easy to change physical land records or lose them and so they asked us to digitize their entire registry and we said well we're not only going to do that we'll tokenize every land piece of land on title in your country and we will also issue you a national currency based off of that tokenized real estate, the government-owned real estate in the land. So we'll be announcing that uh, come this summer. But again, to learn more about the AllNet project, please visit allnet.quest.
3: Awesome. And then, also, awesome, then also we have a website as well if you want to see it. We have a beautiful flyover that you can see virtual, to that, and that is allnetllc.net.
1: I'm excited. Is it's fabulous, um, Mike. Any other uh, closing, closing? No, I'm questions? really
3: excited to to, uh,
2: to go to the, uh, the groundbreaking, and then I can't wait to watch a watch a NCAA game and a, and a and an NBA game. Uh, with toast, toast to your success, Jack, and and, and you and you, John
1: congratulations guys uh thank you so much why whales that was uh, that was again quest and uh, uh, Jackie what was the name of, of your project one more time just so we can hear it from you it's all
3: Net resort and arena
1: can't 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 pass up getting uh getting a legend like you to say it for yourself <laughs> why whales thank you guys so much we'll catch you guys another time thank you so thanks much. so much
3: thank you
0: Y Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner, with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Y Wales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. Ywales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.